This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. Well, how's life, everybody? I'm going to tell you, that introduction was way better than I am. My mom would be so proud and believe every word, and my dad would say, nah, I know better, right? <laughs> so I'm glad to be here. I want to say this. Y'all are crazy. Yeah. Understand that? I mean, what you are doing, starting a church in a portable thing, you're, do- you're the special forces yeah. for God, Okay. I, I love churches and those with buildings, God bless them. But when you're starting and you're doing it, you got to do set up, you got to do tear down, you got to put kids' ministry in another area, all that stuff. And all you do is keep going. Way to go. Give yourselves a hand. My guy mentioned I've been ba- uh, baptizing him, that too, probably. But I've been coaching him for about two years. I retired last year from full time ministry and I'm just doing coaching. I coach. About six or seven pastors and a couple businesses just helping them. And, and I love that edge of it. And, and so I've been around a lot of pastors. I'm one of the old guys in the room, all right? Got a lot of mileage on me. I've been around for more than a minute. Um, Makai's a special guy. Um, he's humble, if I use one word. And that doesn't mean weak. He's not. He's Mr. CrossFit, right? He's going to be on some calendar somewhere. It doesn't mean he's shy. It doesn't mean he won't lead. Humble means teachable. Is that you? Are you teachable? Will you listen even to the critics and see where the truth might be? Because here's what I've discovered. I've been criticized a lot. Can you imagine that? Me. But if I'll listen, there's always at least a piece of truth in there. Now, I don't like to hear it because when they come off at me, I've got other ideas. But what I've discovered is if I listen, but his humility, I'll, he'll do stuff and I'll say, well, that's, that's probably not a good idea. And he'll go, well, why is that? And I'll talk to him and he'll make adjustments. Now, he doesn't do everything I say. I mean, the only person he fully obeys is Jane, but uh, he's not going to do everything I tell him there. So here's my word to you. I got to meet your whole staff the other night. You've got an excellent team here. Do you know that? Give them a hand, will you? Oh, come on. Give them a big hand. They're busting it, and I'm proud of you guys for it. I really love the energy here, what I'm sensing and feeling what God's doing. Uh, You need to go all in with these crazy people leading this place to make San Jose a hard place to get the hell from, right? Yeah, you want to make it a hard place. You want them to hear about Jesus. So my wife and I moved to this small town in West Tennessee, and I was a coach there. I coached and taught. I coached high school basketball, and as a favorite of them, I started coaching junior high. You'd call it middle school basketball. Principal's a good friend. I was actually a youth pastor part-time at a church nearby, and uh, Clarence Barm's his name, and, and we'd do, we started a business together. We'd go hunting together, all this stuff. And so there was a snow day. Now, I need to explain what snow is. <clears throat> Y'all don't see that here. It's this white stuff. It's actually water that freezes 
And it comes down, and what can happen is it can make a pile. And when it does, they call school off. All right, so that's what happened. They called school off. I was at home. I get a phone call from the principal saying, hey, can you come by the office? So walking distance. I said, sure. So I walk over, and as I walk in, I see the school board member, local school board member sitting there. Well, something's up. And I sit down, and the school board member begins to talk. and said, listen, Hal, we've had complaints that you're pushing the junior high too hard. I thought, that's probably well-founded. I don't know. I mean, I tend to push these kids. He said, but uh, it's too much, and we're going to remove you as coach. The junior high, and I was being kind anyway. And they're taking that away from me. And I'm sitting there kind of embarrassed. I said, oh, you're going to still coach the high school. And then the other shoe drops. He said, I'm not going to recommend you be rehired next year. Now, what you need to know is at that point, my wife was home. We had one child. It's about nine months old. And she was pregnant with a second. Just started there. And now I find out I'm not going to have a job. And I bought a house in this town so I could fit in. And this is what's happening. This is a town of 1,500 people. So I'm embarrassed. I'm angry. I was hurt. And I head home. I tell my wife what's happening. And over the next couple of days, she almost miscarries. Now, she didn't. I have a daughter. But she's going through that. And at that point, anger's welling up in me. Now, if, if you knew me well, I, my default, everybody has a different default emotion. Some of y'all cry. You say scary, you cry. Uh, my default emotion is anger. So if you scare me, I mean, my wife is not nearly my size. Now, she can take me, but she'll I said, please don't scare me because I'll swing. <laughs> and it's happened. I didn't hit her, but she bumped into me in the middle of the night, and I pushed her away. I said, what? And then I found it was her. And then I'm over her going, I'm sorry, babe. And, you know, so she forgave me. But that's my default emotion, so I'm angry. But I go home, and, and the pastor from the church that I was serving at comes by, and he said, let's go for a ride. And he's got this uh, Bronco, and so we get in there, and he says, tell me what's going on. And I began to explain to him what had happened, and, and the more I talked, the angrier I got. I began to cry. I began to yell, it's not fair. I moved up here. What's God doing? Why would he allow this to happen to me? You know, all this stuff, I'm just full of anger. And what I realized from that experience was I had to learn how to forgive. I thought I knew how. But I had to learn how to forgive. I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all in here have ever struggled with forgiveness? If you're not putting your hand up, you're already lying. I'll forgive you. We all, everybody in this room's been hurt, haven't you? Yeah, and it's tough because that can be personal. And you can get upset about it or do whatever your default emotion is, right? And you got to learn how to forgive. Because if you don't, it'll own you. It'll leave space in your head and you'll find it controls you. See, forgiveness is healing for your past, help for your present, and hope for the future. Pastor Mackay is that, writing that down. He loves alliterations. Everything starts with an H. You can find healing for your wounds. You can find help right now. 
and you'll have hope for the future. Because I'm going to give you, a, I'm a prophet this morning. You ready? You will get your feelings hurt. Somebody will do something wrong to you in the next week. So you'll get a chance to practice this message. So take some notes. If you're not faking, I'm good. If you fake it, I'm fine with that. I don't think you're writing. It's a joke. I'm going to tell some of those. And what I need for you to do is respond there. I'll keep telling you. <laughs> ah, there you go. Did you know forgiveness can't change your past, but it sure can improve your future? You can't go back and change the past. So let's jump into the New Testament. You good with that? Matthew 18, Jesus is talking there. And when he came on the scene and he taught the disciples the model prayer, some people call it the Lord's Prayer. In that prayer, it says, you know, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So they know a little bit about forgiveness. But Jesus ratchets it up a notch. All right? Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Now, Peter came to him and asked, I like Peter, because Peter doesn't have an unspoken thought. How many of y'all know somebody like Peter? How many are sitting beside? No, don't. don't. Yeah, I mean, he's always saying stuff. And he's this time, he's looking for a pat on the back, and he comes to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus goes, no, not seven times, but what, 70 times seven, right? 70 times seven. Now, here's why Peter thought he was doing a good job. Jewish rabbis taught, often in the Old Testament, you see God forgive once, twice, then judgment. They said if you forgive four times, you're doing great. So Peter adds three to it. I'm pretty quick with the math. Four and three is, there you go, a little math class here. It's seven. So Peter's going, hey, I'm magnanimous. I'll forgive them seven times, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, it's 70 times seven. Jesus blows up, watch this, Jesus blows up his idea of who God is and what God requires. Have you ever had that happen? You're going along, you think you got this thing figured out. And then God says, you know what? You're to love everybody. You know that neighbor you don't speak to? that you look at getting out of your car and act like you're not focused and you never speak to them, you got to love them. Or I, this one, this is tough. Can y'all handle something tough? Okay, turn to the person beside you and say, this is going to be tough. Money. Yeah, oh. You've already thought about it today. It's a part of all our lives. And God kind of taps you on the shoulder and said, Time to get generous. Well, God, I'm giving this. No, need to notch it up. That'll wreck your world. Well, well, wait, God, what, what do you, but that's what I mean. When you get a hold of scripture and it gets a hold of you, God ratchets us up. Because what he's wanting to do is make us look like Jesus. Right. Read, read Romans 8, 29. God's plan is for you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Right. So you're going to need some sandpaper. Yeah. Some of us need chisels, Right. chainsaw. <clears throat> they help you, don't they? Uh, now Jesus says not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he tells this parable about forgiveness for every Christ follower. So I want you to listen carefully. <clears throat> Start in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed from him. So this king's had loans out and he's going to call them. He said, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, if you go back to the original language, it's 10,000 bags of 75-pound bags. 
10,075 pound bags of silver. That's some money. Millions of dollars. Some of y'all will do the math on it and tell me later what it was in today's dollars, but I don't need to know that. I, I'm good. <laughs> so, he, but he couldn't pay it. So the master ordered that he be what? Sold along with his wife, children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. <clears throat> now, if you're writing in your Bible, that's a good place to underline the word patient. And I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave the debt. Now, can you imagine that? You owe millions of dollars, and you go, please, let, let, give me more time. And he didn't need time, but the master goes, you know what? It's forgiven. How would you feel? Right? In and out burgers on me all day. Let's go. <laughs> what would you do? How would you feel? <clears throat> Excuse me. When you see this guy owes all this money, He's in deep weeds, right? I mean, that's deep weeds, millions of dollars back in that day. And back then, there was two ways to handle uh, bankruptcy. One is a debtor's prison. I'll talk about that in a minute. But here, what he's given him is the other way. It's where he sells the man, his wife, and his kids, and everything he owns, and they become indentured servants until they can pay off the rest. So he was going to get all he could out of it because he knew the guy couldn't pay him back. But here's the interesting thing. The guy says, please be patient with me. Patient? Really? He couldn't pay that back in a thousand years. How was he going to earn that much money? How clueless is this guy? See, the truth was he didn't need patience. He needed what? Mercy. He needed forgiveness. He needed mercy. You know what we need? We don't need, God doesn't need to be patient with us. We need his forgiveness, right? All right, watch. Starting in verse 28 now. But when the man left the king, this guy who'd been forgiven everything, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, basically, that's three months' pay. So, in the weight of things, three months' pay versus millions, not even close. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Heard that before? He said, this, this could actually happen with a little more time. Be patient with me, and I'll pay it, he pleaded. His creditor, this guy who'd been forgiven everything, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. No kidding. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man that had forgiven he had forgiven and said, you what servant? Evil. Say that. Evil. I'll come back to that. You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous amount because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king set the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, this is the prison deal. Uh, that's, why my, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Now, three months' salary is a significant amount, but it's not an impossible amount, right? You get thrown into a debtor's prison, here's what they would do. You were beaten and tortured every day. Your family would know about it. And they would look to raise money from family and friends to pay off the debt so you wouldn't be beaten. That was the motivation. So he's going in and he's going to be beaten. That's where he sent his buddy who owed him three months wages. This guy who was forgiven billions of dollars, yet he refuses to forgive his servants. See, the master called him what? I told you evil, right? He didn't say, you know, you're kind of ungrateful. 
Or, hey, you kind of missed the mark. He said, you're evil, you're wicked. See, we often don't take seriously enough how important forgiveness is. And really, forgiveness is for our health. Now, when you read a parable, you want to find out who God is, who you are. In this picture, in this parable, the king represents God, who has forgiven us what? Everything. Our past, our present, and the sins we'll commit tomorrow. God's forgiven all of that with his son, Jesus, dying on a cross. We, in this story, are the first devil who God forgave billions. And your friends, the people who hurt you, or maybe your enemies, the people who wounded you, they're that third group. So the picture is this. you got to forgive them. You have to forgive them. See, forgiveness is what we give because we've received so much. Right? That's a, that's a gratefulness. I'm always shocked at people who have done something horrendous, gain freedom, gain forgiveness, and then they turn around and put that collar on other people. This ought to be the most grace-giving church in the world. Do you know how many sins you've committed? Do you know how many thoughts? I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if on our head there was a TV and you could see our thoughts? Yeah, we've been forgiven that much, so you're going to forgive everybody. Now, it doesn't mean you don't tell them the truth. I mean, when somebody's in a ditch, letting them live the rest of their life in the ditch doesn't make sense. You get down there and help them out. You're going to tell them the truth, but you're not going to beat them up over it. People use the truth as a beatdown tool, right? Well, I, I just need to tell you this. No, you don't. All right. To God, forgiveness is a big deal. You may look in the mirror. I may look in the mirror and say, you know what? I forgive him pretty good. I mean, this guy did this. But her, not what she did to me. Him, do you know what he said? I, I can forgive a lot, but I'm not going to forgive them. Then you're missing it. See, forgiveness is not an optional response for believers. It's the core of who we are. It's at your very core. If you have a tough time forgiving, if I have a tough time forgiving, it's because I don't really realize what God's done for me. What it cost him to forgive me. Luke 6, 38, listen to this passage. Give and you'll receive. Uh, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine what you get back. What he's saying here is life's an echo. Do you know that? You get what you send out. If you've got a bunch of critical people in your life, guess what? You're listening. You're critical. If you have generous people in your life, guess what? You're a generous person. Does that make sense? This obviously can be applied to finances. But actually the context of this is the verse before. Listen to this. Don't judge others and you won't be judged. Don't what? Condemn, Condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. So here's the context. Do you need forgiveness? Yes. You need a lot of forgiveness? Yes. How much are you going to give? All of it. All of it. Right? If I'm holding on to it, first of all, here's the problem. When I don't forgive, I'm playing God. You know you're not wired that way, right? You don't have that skill set. That's why you're here. I don't have that skill set. 
God will take care of them, but what I need to do is let it go. We should sing the Frozen song right now, except that would really weird me out. See, that weirds me out that all you guys are laughing, so that means you know the song. I will say coming to church this morning, Makai was singing along with it on the radio. Maybe not, but... So let me start with this. What forgiveness is not? All right? Because if you don't understand what it is, it's tough to do it. Forgiveness is not a warm feeling when they apologize and go, oh, and I forgive you. It's not this feeling of, oh, I feel better now. No, that's not forgiveness. It's not given for good behavior. Maybe they pay you back. Or they've stopped being who they were for a while, and you go, okay, I'm ready to forgive them. And let me tell you something else. It doesn't mean you trust them again. Forgiveness does not mean trust, and that's where we get it wrong sometimes. We think I forgave somebody. That means i got to let them back in my life. No, you don't. Trust is earned. So I met with this couple. I was starting a church, and uh, I could cut the tension with a knife. Have you been there? Like in the car on the way in this morning? And I'm talking to them, and she's barely talking. She's angry. And I said, well, help me know what's going on. And he goes, well, she won't forgive me. I made a mistake and had an affair, and she won't forgive me. I said, is that right? She said, yes. I said, okay, bro, let me tell you where you're missing it. You didn't have a mistake. A mistake is putting on mismatched socks. You committed adultery and broke a promise you made to your wife. It's not the same thing. Well, she won't let me back in the bedroom. No kidding. I'm surprised she let you back in the house. See, trust is earned. You give forgiveness away. You can't hold it. Well, I'll forgive you when you... Not your game. You're not who? That's right. So stop playing that way. Grant forgiveness, but just know you don't have to let somebody who's abused you... If I loan somebody 100 bucks and they don't pay me back, I forgive them. I'm not loaning any more money. I'm not dumb. I didn't come out on a watermelon truck last night. <laughs> Forgiveness is not given once you've gotten even. Now we think that's, well, I've gotten even now. That's where road rage comes in. Anybody ever felt a little road rage? Some of you are being honest, yeah. Me too. And it's funny how it escalates emotionally. So I'm riding to church with my wife a couple years ago. And I run a yellow light, which I thought you're supposed to do. Yellow did not red, so it means <laughs> step on the gas, right? And I step on the gas, and my wife reminds me of things. And, and this guy gets all mad, and he hits his horn. He's riding behind me, and I think, huh. And he goes by, and he flashes a hand signal. You know what it is out his window and yells at me. I'm thinking, dude, you are clueless. I will crush you like the cockroach you are. <laughs> so I'm riding and I think, I, I don't think it's okay, we're even. I'll let it go. No, I'm thinking, I need to help you understand life. <laughs> if we can just stop at this next slide, I promise you, I can explain to you and help you get, grasp the gravity of what you just did. But I didn't. I didn't. I wish I could say it was because I thought Jesus wouldn't be pleased, and that was a part of it. 
But my wife is sitting over there next to me. <laughs> and I knew better, right? See, I didn't think, ah, it's okay, we're even now. That's, getting even does not mean forgiveness. Let me tell you what forgiveness is. All right? Write this down. It's a choice. It's not tied to an emotion or a feeling. Feelings lie. Do you know that? I like feelings, but they can lie. Have you ever woke up in the morning and felt like God wasn't around? What's the truth of the Bible said? He's always there. See, why does that lie let that happen? Why does God let me feel like he's not there? So you'll quit trusting your emotions? You can't run life based on emotions because they, be, they can be based on the pizza you got. And if it had anchovies like the pizza I had last night, you're in a great mood. How many here like anchovies on their pizza? Can I see your hands? All right, those are the godly people in this room. <laughs> Rest of y'all, try it. It will set you free. Possibly. So it's a choice. It's not an emotion. You don't feel your way into forgiveness. Secondly, it's deciding someone doesn't owe me anymore. They don't owe me. I'm canceling the debt. Now, this is difficult because you're thinking, they really do owe me. Or they borrowed money from me. Or they took advantage of me. I was just a child. Or they did this or they did that. They owe me. Forgiveness says you don't owe me anymore. And somebody's going to say, well, if I forgive them, I feel like I'm letting them off the hook. The hook is God's plan. God's, God's deal with that, right? Not yours. You're not, you're not who? Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure we're still tracking. Or somebody says, you know, if I forgive them, it's like rewarding them for what they've done. I'm the victim here. I'm the one who's been hurt. Do you know what they did? But here's the, here's the tough truth. Forgiveness always costs the forgiver more. Okay? When you forgive somebody, you're going to pay the most. That's not fair. What did God do for you and me? Jesus, right? Who did cost? Him. <clears throat> what did we find in it? Freedom. All right, you're tracking. Jesus paid the most for our forgiveness. So here's what I know. We all have hurts and pains, and if I sat down, we could all list them out. And my guess is I've got some pains, but some of you all have had some horrible stuff done to you. I am not justifying that or saying it's okay. God will deal with them. I promise you. The Bible teaches that. But that's not your job. In fact, it'll jack your life up. It will own you. It will ruin you. I live in a place, a 55-year-old duck community. I know I'm way underage, but I live there anyway. Why are you laughing? That was not a joke point. These people don't get it, my God. And it's crazy. I'll sit around talking to people, and I start hearing the pains come out. Well, my kids don't visit me enough. My grandkids don't talk to me. They haven't learned how to forgive, so it just owns their life. If you're a Christ follower and you're having trouble forgiving, you've just lost sight of how much God's forgiven you. See, when I focus on what Christ has done for me, forgiving becomes easier. I'm not saying easy. It becomes easier. At the cross... I lost my excuse. You lost your excuse to not forgive because of what you're forgiving. It may cost you your pride. It's cost me thousands of dollars. All of that stuff. But it cost God his son. And if you're here and you've never trusted Christ or you're not walking close with him, forgiveness doesn't make sense. I understand that. 
When you've been forgiven a lot, then you get the idea, okay, I can forgive. But if you don't sense you're forgiven, you begin to hold on to other people's things. So a practical process real quick for doing it, all right? First thing is identify the people you're angry with and write their names down. Now, you can start that now, but if you're sitting beside them, don't do that. That won't be helpful. Scratch that out. Yeah, there you go. So you're, you're going to make a list of who they are, and you go, well, how do I know if I'm angry with them? You probably know, but if you don't know, start thinking about when you're driving by yourself, who are you having an imaginary argument with in your mind? Anybody do that? Just me? Yeah, I got you. I'm good at those. I picture this crowd standing around watching. We're going back and forth, and he says something, boom, I smoke him. And he says something else, like, boom. I'm so quick and smart there. You know what that tells me? I haven't forgiven him yet. Because he's taken up uh, land ownership in my brain. How many times are you have those imaginary conversations? You haven't forgiven them. Second thing, identify the person. Next, determine what they owe you. What was taken? If you can't define what was taken, you can't forgive it. So ask this question. What did they take? Maybe that's simple. Maybe it was your innocence. Maybe it was your family. Maybe it was your money. Maybe it's filling this blank. I'm mad because maybe it's my ex stole my ability to tuck my kids in at night. I walk down the highway and past their bedrooms and they're not there and it crushes me. You got to forgive. Name, determine what they owe you. See, forgiveness doesn't try to settle who is wrong. That's what we do in those mental gymnastics. Forgiveness says, I'm going to figure out what was taken, and I'm going to release them. And the last thing you do is make a choice to cancel the debt. Remember, forgiveness doesn't excuse their actions, but it does keep their actions from destroying you. Forgiveness doesn't mean they escape punishment. That's God's job, not yours. They just don't owe you any longer. So you write that down and you ball it up and you throw it in the fire and burn it. And you'll never think of it again, right? Wrong. It'll come up, but what you say is, nope, I've chosen to forgive them. I'm not going to try to collect on that debt. I've forgiven them. But God, nope, I choose to forgive them. The guy I mentioned earlier in this story, I only think of when I talk about forgiveness. Took me several years to where I did not think of it daily. The peril he put my family in. I was angry. But I had to forgive him. So I made the choice, and it took a while for my emotions to catch up. Anybody else do that? Yeah, me too. It's going to creep back in, and you shift your focus to the Father who forgave you and begin to thank God. So when you start dwelling on there, start thinking about all the stuff God's forgiven you of, and stay there for a while. As long as you're focused on the source of your hurt, You'll never be free. You won't. Because they can't set you free. Only God can. Here's the irony. The person who probably hurt you the most, even if they wanted to, couldn't pay you back. Can your dad go back and be in your life different? Nope. Can that person give you back your innocence? Nope. Can they give you back what they said about you? Take it back? Nope. So forgiveness is a debt they can't pay anyway. So I hold on to a debt that nobody's going to pay. Forgiveness is just writing it off. 
done. God said to you and to me, you don't owe me anymore. The truth is you won't escape this life without pain. That's part of life. And unless you learn to practice forgiveness daily, we're never going to experience God's peace. Maybe God's placed somebody in your heart. My guess is he has. Somebody you haven't forgiven. You think you have, but you find yourself dwelling on it. See, forgiveness won't change the past, but it can change the future. Just this week, no, excuse me, the last month, Sandy and I sat down and we went through some of the biggest hurts we had. One of them was what I told you about. There were about six of them. As I look back, the results of those I wouldn't trade for anything. Now, I don't want to go back through it. <laughs> I'm not a masochist. But I wouldn't trade the change. Romans 8.28 says, God, right, works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say all things are good. They're not. It's not good what happened to you. It's not good what happened to your kid. That's not the issue. He'll take evil and work it for good in your life. How good is that? Right? That's the promise. And when I look back, I said, God, I'm not going to trade that for anything. I don't want to go back through it, but I'm not trading it. Because God does something in us. So, got a bunch of you guys here today that are struggling with this. And I want to start first. I'm going to pray twice, but first time I pray, I want, those, I want everybody here to bow your head. Just, just bow your head right now. This is not for anybody else. It's just for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer asking God to help you forgive. You've got that person's name in your mind, and you're thinking, I've got to forgive them. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, nobody's looking right now, just slip your hand up and put it down real quick. Yep, 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 yep. Man, full room of that. I get it. That means you're normal. So let me pray for you. God, thank you for the gift of forgiveness we receive in Jesus. Everything forgiven. And right now, I choose to forgive, and in your mind, fill in the blank with that name or names. They don't owe me anymore. I'm releasing them to you. I choose forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, to work that into your life, every time that hurt comes up again, you say, nope, I already forgave them, and you move on. You're going to become what you dwell on. You don't want that to happen, so you're going to forgive that. By the way, some of you Christians here have done dumb things. Is that right? I don't ask for a raise of hands because I know all of y'all. I know. Me too. That means God's forgiven you too. And if God's forgiven you, why are you holding on to it? But I shouldn't have done that. I agree. I'm not saying head back there, but let it go. A little frozen song for you, right? Let it go. Trust God's forgiveness in your life. Now, if you're here and you're not yet a Christ follower, you haven't found and begun to follow Jesus, this forgiveness message is exceptionally tough because it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense unless you've experienced the forgiveness that only God can give. And I want you to have that today. I really do. And there's no magic in the words I'm going to pray. There's nothing you've got to do except receive Christ, believe in Jesus that he died on the cross for you, and that he will change not only your present, forgive your past, give you hope for the future, but give you an eternity with him. That's the promise. 
the cost he paid. Oh, we've got to surrender, but the cost is already paid. Now, I know, because I've been praying, God, bring some people who need to know Jesus today. So everybody bow their heads again with me. I'm going to lead in a prayer for you to trust Christ as your Savior. Now, I'm going to play it, pray it out loud, and you pray it silently. I don't need you to stand up or anything like that. This is you doing business with God. And if you're here and you go, you know what, Hal? I've never fully committed my life to Christ. I'm going to do that today. You pray this prayer silently that I'm going to pray out loud. And based on what God's word says, you're then a Christ follower and you've received his forgiveness. All right? No magic in these words. It's the attitude of your heart. So as I pray out loud, I invite you to pray silently. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving all my sins by dying on the cross. I believe in you, Jesus. I trust you to be my Savior. I want to follow you. So I surrender to you right now. Use me the way you want to, and thank you for forgiveness. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. 